what we're going to do is we're going to, like I said, we're going to get started. Don't, don't eat, your, eat your crackers or drink your, your grape juice or whatever it is yet. We're going to talk. We're going to kind of cancel some of the fear um, that I, I remember hearing uh, after I got saved and started going to church, some of the fear that some of the, uh, the kind of misconceptions about uh, communion. So we're going to kind of tackle that first to try to take that out of the way so that it won't be uh, a hindrance to you. Uh, we practice open communion here. If you're not sure what the difference is, um, there's open and closed, and we practice open. So if you'd like to, if you'd like to join us, you are welcome to join us. You don't have to be a part of our church. So I want to encourage you to run to your fridge, grab something to drink, and uh, grab something, grab something to eat, and break it up with your family. Um, also, um, we want to uh, <clears throat> want to encourage you as fathers and mothers to. Uh, to lead your families. So since we are doing this remotely, this is a great opportunity, something that Trace and I have, have seen over the last week of being together, closer together than we normally are. I know that's kind of a sad thing, but when they're not at school and different things, there's there's a lot more time that we spend together. So it's created a lot of opportunities for us to learn from each other and teach each other and some things that we, you know, we miss sometimes because we're so busy. Now everything's kind of slowed down a little bit and we can start to see. So I think this is a great opportunity for families to get together and, and to celebrate communion together. So if you guys are watching, I uh, hope to clear up some things and then encourage you. Um, and in, in between clearing up some fears and encouraging you, we're going to actually take it together. So we're going to start by clearing up uh, a, a common misconception, something that I like to talk about when we, when we take communion because it was something that, that kept me from, from taking communion in the past. Um, and that's the fear of, of God basically killing me if I took it in an unworthy manner. And that sounds radical, but that is a belief, that it, there is a belief and it comes from uh, 1 Corinthians 11, and we're going to start um, in 11.17 here in just a minute, so if you want to turn there, you can. If not, um, you just trust me that I'm there. And, uh, but it comes from a, a bit of a misplaced uh, idea, and it's taking a, a scripture kind of out of context and placing it you know, right on top of us when it shouldn't be there. And so <clears throat> um, we're going to kind of tackle that head on, and we'll get through that, and when we get through that, we're going to take communion, um, and then we're going to talk about the awesome great part about communion. So First uh, Corinthians eleven seventeen says, um, and this is Paul basically correcting uh, the Corinthians. If you know anything about the Corinthian church, they were doing some really messed up stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to get into details about all the messed up stuff they were doing, um, but this is just one of the many things that they were doing wrong that Paul was trying to help them and correct the way that they were doing it, okay? So Paul is talking to the Corinthian church here in First Corinthians eleven seventeen, 17, um, and it says, in the following directives... <clears throat> I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Now, let's stop there. Um, I, I meant to, to give you the verse that's, mis, that's misconstrued first and then back up, so let me start there. What people use as the verse to, to place fear in people about communion is actually uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. So we'll start there, and then we'll back up and read it in context. Uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven says, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be, will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep there in the Greek means dead. <laughs> many of you are dead. Okay, so stop there. Now, if you take that out and you just read it for what it is, there can be some misunderstandings there. It can be a little confusing. So... We're not going to do that. We're not just going to read that. We're going to read it in context of everything that's going on. So we're going to jump back to the very beginning where I just started. 
Um, in verse 17, it says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that you come together as a church, that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. So there's one problem. There are divisions among you, okay? This is a, this, he's ta- this is a letter. <laughs> Not just one thing. This is a whole letter about what's going on. So there's one problem. There's divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. Um, no doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. He's setting that aside. Verse 20. So then when you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper you eat? For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and the other gets drunk. There's another problem. There are divisions among you, and, and part of the, the divisions, one person comes in and just has a feast, and then people come in a little later, and they can't even eat, and they're starving. They're literally starving. They're hungry, and they have nothing because the guys that came first who feel like they deserve it more, essentially, just have a feast. And when they do that, they're leaving the others without food. I mean, essentially, this is exactly what he's talking about. There's divisions among you. There's a group of people that come in thinking they're better than everybody else and sit at the head of the table, and they eat all the food, and they get drunk, and then the people come in that just want to, to, to partake in this go without eating. Verse 22, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or, you, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? It's another problem. This group has divided themselves, and they're humiliating the ones that have nothing and come in. They've already eaten all the food, and now that it, it accentuates the fact that these people are poor and hungry, and they come in here. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave it, he gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body for which which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. That's really important. We'll get to that in a minute. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, here we are. Now, reading all of that, that gets us to this place. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. What's an unworthy manner? We just said what an unworthy manner is. Coming in, being divided, eating so people can't eat. So the people that are hungry come in and they don't even have any food. They can't even take of the Lord's supper and they can't even eat anymore. That you've eaten all the food and you've gotten drunk on all the wine and they've they've been left with nothing. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup, which is true. We should. We should be thinking of our brothers and sisters that are next to us before we start eating all the food and drinking of the cup because it's not about us getting what we need. It's about thinking of others before ourselves the same way Jesus did. Verse 29, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now, if you take that in its literal term, that can sound, part of it has been the, the translation of judgment to condemnation in our culture. Judgment is not condemnation. We make judgments every day. We make good judgments, bad judgments. Judgments are neutral. It just depends on which way they go. So he's talking about here, and it goes on to talk about, it's not a condemnation judgment that he's going to kill you or he's going to send you to hell because of it. And it's evidence when we get down in the scripture if you read the whole letter. Um, For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, a number of you have died. Why have they fallen asleep and died? They're hungry. They don't have any food. Many of them are sick, they're weak because they don't have any food because you've divided amongst yourselves in the church and you are not concerned with your brothers at all. 
You don't know where they are. You're not thinking about them. You're doing your own thing, and you're coming in there and having a party and getting drunk and eating all the food, and you're not concerned about your brothers. This is a very obvious reason why these people are dying. He's not, it's not because of the previous verse. Nevertheless, hang on, verse 31, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, we are judged in this way by the Lord. We are being disciplined. That's a key word there. Discipline is not condemnation. Discipline is saying, I'm trying to correct you in your behavior because this is the way, this is the heart of the Lord. Paul has said many times, I'm not just a teacher to you, to all the 13 letters to all the churches. I'm like a father. He was telling them, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you see this. This is a discipline. So, there will, so that there will not be finally, con- finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. He gives the problem, and he gives the solution. You should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. This is so clear to me. I don't know how we, we pulled that out and tried to make that all about us. Well, I do know that. That's what we do with a lot of scriptures. We try to make it all about us when it's not about us. It's about our brothers and sisters. When we, when we, are, when we are talking about the body of Christ here, we're talking about the body, you guys. When we're talking about judgment on the body, it's the, it's the body of believers. When we don't look after our brothers and sisters in the body, we are heaping judgment on ourselves. We are saying we, we should rightfully be judged and disciplined by the Lord because we're doing wrong. We're not looking after the people that are around us. When we talk about even in the midst of this um, this pandemic that we're going through, we should be thinking about how we can help people in these situations, not just about how we can hoard everything and buy all the TP. <laughs> Share your TP. <laughs> For the love. Share the TP. It's going to be the year 2027. You're still going to have TP. People need it. All right. Share your food. Share the things that you have. Look out for those small businesses, people, not just people that you know, but people that you know that are, are hurting. Help them. Share with them. Disinfect it, but share with them. Be smart. I'm just, I'm just being serious. Like, care for the people that are around us. This is what he's talking about here. He's not talking about make sure you do it in a certain way. And, and somehow somebody's take, tried to grab a scripture that doesn't exist and say that we have to confess. I've heard this too, that we have to confess all of our sins. And if we forget to confess a sin and we take it in an un, unworthy manner, I don't know where they... They just pulled that somewhere um, because it doesn't say that we have to confess all of our sins. It says confess that we are a sinner because none of you can remember all your sins. Go ahead. I'll, I'll wait. Y'all know them all, right? Right? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I was pretty wild in the 90s. I don't, I don't remember all of them to confess them. I'm just being serious. Listen, the Bible doesn't say confess all of your sins so that you can be forgiven. It says confess that you are a sinner. Now, we confess our sins one to another because it's healthy for growth and, and it's good for us. But listen... Don't try to grab something and throw it on here that doesn't belong. And I, that was a fear that I had because I heard somebody say it, and I thought it was true. Like, if I go and drink this tiny cup and eat this cracker, and I forgot, somehow I forgot a sin, which is ridiculous because I'm sure I did somewhere, that God would judge me and just strike me down with lightning right there. And I, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Are there other people? Y'all can comment now or later if y'all have heard this or, or been a victim of that kind of fear-mongering. But It's ridiculous. That God's not like that. God's not trying to trick you into being smite, the mighty smiter, smiting people around like crazy. That's not God. That's the Godfather, not God the Father. As there's a radical difference. Listen, God is looking for opportunities with his arms wide open to save all, all mankind, all the time. That's his heart. That's his direction. It's not looking for a reason. That's why I used to think that God was like this big goalie trying to keep everybody out of heaven, like you had to do all the right things to get in there. That's not our Father. What he's saying here is, this is Paul, 
talking to the Corinthian church, stop doing all this dumb stuff. And he talks about a lot of other crazy stuff that they're doing. Also, stop taking communion in this manner. Simple as that. So hopefully that takes some fear away from you. If you were scared to eat a cracker and drink some grape juice this morning, please don't be afraid. Um, there's another thought process that says if you were not saved, if you are not born again, that that would be an unworthy manner of taking it. No, that's just you're drinking grape juice and eating a cracker. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're okay. I don't, I don't, I think it, it's, it's so much more meaningful if you are born again. And I think it's very important that we, that we do see that for, for the reality that it is, that it is, that it represents the spiritual body and the blood of Christ. And, and there's so much power in it. But I'm telling you, God can use this to, to even awaken those that are lost and bring them to a place with a cracker and some grape juice or whatever you guys can find. All right. So we hopefully took a little bit of the fear away from that scripture because that was something that, that I struggled with for a while. Um, so we're, we're going to kind of get into the, the, the beauty and the joy of what communion is. Communion is basically a common union. Now, what this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that we all agree on everything. Because if that was the case, then there would be no churches ever, ever anywhere. <laughs> I mean, it just wouldn't happen. We don't all agree on everything, but we do have a common union. What's our common union? Ultimately, it's Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the good... Uh, the good uh, uh, Bible school or, or Sunday school answers Jesus all the time, but it really is. That's what bonds us. There are lots of different reasons we come together for community, for worship, for learning. Um, but ultimately, Jesus is the glue that holds this whole thing together. Now, as we go into, we're going to talk about communion, and I hope that we get to, we're going to kind of advance into the unshakable kingdom that I started with last week, um, and I really didn't get to finish, so we're going to kind of wrap up. I say wrap up, we may just get, yeah, who knows? Um, we may just do something, but um, but we're gonna we're gonna keep moving forward with this unshakable kingdom. Uh, yeah, can you unplug that? It just keeps flashing randomly. <laughs> I thought somebody was taking a picture until I realized it was a light. Oh, there it is. Whoa! All right, just unplug it. There you go. Yeah, Bill Starling's not here. Not taking pictures. That's fine. Or you can just turn it down. That's good. Just flip it down. No worries. Our production team is scrambling. We're good. So um, we're trying. We're. No, I'm, I'll, I'll digress if I keep talking about this stuff. All right, let's focus. So the, the whole Bible, in order to, and you, I don't know if you guys realize how hard it is to try to sum a very big thing into something that we can all have enough attention span, including myself, to, to really focus in on. But I have to give you the big picture before we can get to what I want to talk about today about the unshakable kingdom. The big picture of Scripture is there's an Old Testament and a New Testament, okay? For some reasons, we've split the Old Covenant, New Covenant, where the Old Testament, New Testament are, and that shouldn't be. The Old Covenant... Is, actually goes all the way through the Gospels. It isn't really, the new covenant doesn't come into play, excuse me, until Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and ascending of his Holy Spirit, okay? So when you're reading through Scripture, you have to look at that timeline for everything to fit like a puzzle. If you don't look at that timeline, if you don't understand that there's this old covenant to God's chosen people, and then there's this new covenant that comes after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and ascending of his Holy Spirit, um, then some things won't make sense, Okay? So we have to nail that down first. This is, this is all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is all moving from an old covenant, well, the fall, old covenant, um, Jesus, new covenant, all the way into Revelation. And Jesus is the glue that holds it all together. Does that make sense? You can, the few of us can nod in here. You guys at home can digitally nod or send a thumbs up. That makes sense. All right. Um, so hopefully that makes sense to you. So when we do that, Communion even takes, a, for me, everything takes on more life. All the old covenant stories takes on more life when it's pointing to Jesus and the big story. And uh, communion takes on more life. And I realize the reality that we find ourselves in in this new covenant and the reason why we can even take communion and realize the, the 
power in it is because of this grand story that we get to be a part of this new covenant. So it's a common union that pulls us together, and the glue that holds us together is Jesus. Everything is pointing towards this lone figure in history that changed the world. I made a post the other day. He was the only real superhero this earth has ever seen. He was the only one that was supernatural. He was the only one that, that defeated death, sin, death, and hell. He's the only one that died and was raised so that we could not have to fear death and so that we could be alive now and go on being alive even when we physically die. Listen, a lot of the fear that's coming right now is of death. We're scared that, that, that this, this uh, virus is going to kill us or that we're going we're gonna to pass it on to somebody else. Now, that doesn't mean we need to be careless. It doesn't mean, mean that we need to be um, just blasting off all these different uh, opinions that we have, hurting people around us because we think that we're smarter than everyone else. Um, this means that we need to take this seriously and love those that are around us and be careful with what we do because we care of those around us. But, and here's the big but, we're not afraid. We're not, why are we not afraid? Because ultimately we, we are all dying physically. We are all going to, to come into a place where we physically die. So death is not a fear for the believer anymore. There is a hope that we have. So we're not afraid. This, this unshakable kingdom, all these things that shake around us, the circumstances, the jobs, the different things that we're stressed about, those things can be shaken by a virus. They can be shaken by an, a, a broken economy, by a poor leader. They can be shaken by lots of different things. But we are not shaken by our circumstances and our surroundings. We've been saying it for years in here. We're not shaken by our circumstances our surroundings. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Our life is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Our, our, our hearts, our whole being, everything that we are is not just some new way of thinking or some new theology, but it is Christ himself in us and us in him. That is the reality that we live in. That's, that's what keeps our kingdom unshakable is Jesus. It's because he made the ultimate sacrifice, and we can stand on that, and we can stand firm on it. So the whole fear thing is out of the way. There's no more fear. Now, from that place, we can operate just as, as uh, Paul was talking to his, uh, to his church, to his sons and daughters. He was saying, guys, listen, think about those that are around you before yourself. What are you speaking? What are you saying? How are you coming together and taking communion? Are you thinking about them over yourself? Are you caring for them? So when he does this, he's, he's leading to a place, especially um, even when Jesus was teaching about communion, teaching about the Last Supper. Listen, he even uh, had Judas partake in it. That's another reason why we have open communion. Listen, Judas was not <laughs> doing the right things there, um, and he still took communion with him. This is how much Jesus loves everybody. Is he wants people to see that he is there with them, and he wants them to, to partake of his divine nature. That's what he wants. It's his desire. So the beauty of communion we have a common union that is this new covenant that we've been invited into. Most of you guys that are watching uh, were probably not even invited to the first covenant. Maybe you were. I don't think there's any real, I don't know of any, uh, uh, any people personally that I know that were invited to that new covenant. So most of us are Gentiles. Uh, Gentiles were invited to the, the new covenant, not the old covenant. So the only covenant that we can grab a hold of that's been given to us for free is this new covenant. The celebration of communion is the celebration of this new covenant. That's what we're doing. When we, when we take of his body and of his blood with the, with the uh, representations that we have and what you guys have at home, we are thinking about what Jesus did for us, and we're bringing that into reality, and we're taking him inside us. Same way we do baptisms, and we, when we're buried and then resurrected, it's a physical representation of something spiritual that happened in our hearts. This is the same way when we take of the body of Christ, we are saying we take on his death, we take on his burial, we take on his resurrection, we take on the, the juice, the blood, his blood paid for our sins. We, we no longer have to pay for our sins. We're not in debt anymore to them. 
So what we want to do now, we want to celebrate that. And in doing so, we're going to start with the, with the body of Christ. Now, I've got a little piece of a Ritz cracker here. It's all good. Whatever, whatever you guys have at home, so take your, your cracker, your bread, whatever you have, um, your Cheez-It, whatever it is. What we want to do is we want to, we want to focus right now. This is us having a common union, you guys with us, whoever's watching, with us having a common union in what? In Jesus, in Jesus' body, who was broken, who was bruised for our iniquities, um, who was pierced for our transgressions. Um, this is Jesus' body who took on the pain and the suffering that we don't have to take anymore. And so we take that inside of ourselves. So take it with me. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that that you chose to love us. You chose to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, and it says you remember them no more. Lord, I thank you that your body was broken, and by your stripes we are healed. Lord, I thank you that we have no more fear. There is, there is boldness when we come to your throne because of what you've done for us. And you have, you have been a representation. You have been the prototype of who we could be. We could be human and divine at the same time, that we could be with God and still in this fallen world and still in this, this uh, passing away body, but we are eternal beings now. Lord, we thank you for your body that showed us that we could be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, and then we're going to take whatever juices you guys find. I actually have an official juice cup. Um, and this represents the blood of Christ. And, and there was, there was a, a supernatural uh, transfusion when Christ died, uh, you know, over 2,000 years ago, um, where you don't have to worry about um, any generational curses anymore if you've been born again. If you're born again, and now Jesus' blood runs through your veins. Now you are an heir and co-heir with Christ. You uh, are a son. You are a daughter of God the Father. Because of the blood, and it had to be this way, all the way from the old covenant, the way the sacrificial system worked, it had to be flesh and blood, and Jesus made that ultimate sacrifice that he doesn't have to do over and over and over again, and you don't have to do over and over and over again, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the work is done because of the blood of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. So take this as a representation of the blood, and we take it inside. Lord, we thank you for your... Oh, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that... <clears throat> that we are sons and daughters of the Father because of what you did. And Father, we thank you that this was your plan from the beginning, that all nations would know you. Lord, that you, you grafted us in. We weren't, we weren't a part of the original chosen people, but we are now. And you have chosen us to be a royal priesthood. We don't deserve it, we couldn't earn it, but you chose, and you chose us. As broken as we were, you mended us, you put us together, and you put your Holy Spirit in us like jars of clay. Lord, this life is short. Even the longest life is short. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of, of who you are and what you're doing in the earth, and I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit so that you could live inside us. Let this, this bread and, this, and this, uh, this juice show us and demonstrate to us who you are in and through us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Isaiah 53.5 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Listen, you want an unshakable kingdom, grab a hold of that. There is, there is, a, there is a reality that we find in the grace of Jesus that, that as much as the law tried to produce could never do it. As much as we tried to fix, we could never fix it. All the priests of the Old Covenant tried day after day to do it, and they just couldn't do it. Um, it was all temporary. It was all temporal. But Jesus came, and he permanently fixed things for us. And he did it in, in the, the most perfect way that fulfilled all, all the prophecies from years and years and years before. Um, when Jesus taught about communion, he, he taught from, from a familiar place to his disciples because they understood the Passover. They had been doing this Passover meal for years. It represented Exodus and their Moses and them being, them being uh, saved from Egypt and all the persecution. So there's lots of pictures there. I could go into a whole message about that. But just know that he was, he was demonstrating to his disciples and, and trying to stretch his arms from the old covenant and bring them over to the new one. He was trying to show them that everything that was in the old covenant was a type and shadow. It was all leading to this moment in time that everything was going to change radically. That everything that happened on Mount Sinai was going to come to fruition in Jesus. And Jesus was Mount Zion. Jesus was the place where, where everything was going to rest and everything was going to be okay. That no one had to be fearful and be shaking like, like they did on Mount Sinai. No one had to veil their faces. That, that it, this could be the reality that we live in from now on. And so Jesus is this, this I, just, I, keep, I keep imagining this picture of this, this powerful Jesus just, just stretching his arms out and bringing, bringing these people and us, everybody together into this new covenant. And it's such an amazing picture. Um. <clears throat> There's something I've been doing. I've been uh, practicing for the last three days since we've been quote-unquote quarantined. We've been trying to do our part and trying to social distance the best way that we can. Uh, and, and, and one of the beauties, uh, we recently uh, I actually traded a Jeep for a boat, and so I've been trying to do this wake surfing thing. And If you've been seeing me on Facebook, you've been seeing the progression of it. It's something, something about, I mean, it keeps me up at night. I've got to figure out how to do this. And I saw somebody do it, and I was like, I'm doing it. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to make it happen. And I'm old and sore, but I was determined. And so every afternoon, you know, about 4.30, 5 o'clock, we'll go. We'll take the boat out and go try to do this and play around on the water. And, and uh, I'll give you a brief description of what this looks like. Basically, um, most water sports, you're pulled behind a boat. Um, whether, and in the past, all I've done was kneeboarding and then wakeboarding, tubing, those kind of things. And so... When you do that, you are tethered to the boat. The boat has the power. It's got the engine. It has the engine, and you are behind it, and the boat is pulling you. And so <clears throat> that's all I've ever done for years. That's all I know. And so in doing so, wake surfing, on the other hand, you load the boat down with, with weight, like a 1,000 extra pounds in the back of the boat to sit it really deep in the water, which makes a really big wave. You put a little contraption on one side to make an asymmetrical wave. That's almost like an endless surfing wave is what it is. And so you start to practice on a rope, like not very far from the boat, and then you get on this tiny surfboard. And when you do, you have to feel the, the waves start to push you, and you have to start to feel the tension on the rope give way, and it gets loose as it begins to give way. And it's a very, it seems simple enough in my head, but you're, all your senses are working against you because all I've ever known is that boat needs to pull me, and if I let go of this rope, I'm going to fall. 
So in my mind, that's all I'm thinking about, even though I know I've got to figure out a way to let go of this rope or I'm not going to be doing this for real. <laughs> like, that's all I'm thinking. And it took, it took three days of practicing, and I, I talked to a few people online that have done it several times, and they're trying to coach me, and they, they basically just kept telling me, you've got, you're in a wakeboard stance, you need to get in a surfing stance. I'm like, I'm not a professional. I have no idea what you're talking about. They're telling me to rotate my hips and lean my shoulder, and you lean forward for the gas and back for the break, and I'm trying to think about all this stuff. And then finally, one guy said, look, all they're saying is right, but it's too complicated. And he said, just reach your arm back and touch the wave. And when you do that, bend your knees a little bit. When you do that, your body will just correct itself. And I thought, okay, I'll try that. And so when I did, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squat down a little bit, and I'm going to lean back, and I'm going to touch, touch the wave with my back hand. And sure enough, I went back and watched the videos. Um, and sure enough, my whole body shifted, and my whole body changed. And the wave began to push me, and the rope, the tension went away on the rope. And eventually, yesterday, I was able to throw the rope back. And it wasn't very far, but it seemed like forever for me. I was able to surf behind a boat without being tethered to the boat. Yeah, yay. I was really excited, too. I was like, oh, I did it. I was so excited. I can barely move right now. <laughs> Literally, I got on the boat after I'd been practicing for the last three days, and my legs didn't work. They were like noodles. And I was like, I got I to fall down. And my arms are like noodles today. I'm like really sore from holding on to the rope. Um, but what I found in that, especially as I was praying this morning, I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about. There is this, um, there's this, False, false sense that we have of security and control in our lives. Um, I always think about we lock our doors at night and we buckle our seatbelts and we do all these things and, and we think that we have control and we think we're quote-unquote safe. And, I mean, you can, you can spend five minutes on the Internet and see, I mean, anything could happen at any moment. We drive 80 miles an hour on the interstate and, I mean, your life is, is in one bolt, you know, <laughs> or, you know, Anything could happen at any time, and that's not to make you afraid at all, but, it's, it, but it reminds me of this false sense of control and safety that we think we have. We really don't have. Um, ultimately, God is in control. We kind of touched on this last week, too. Ultimately, you have a lot less, quote-unquote, control than you think you do, and I remember that was the one thing that I thought that I had that God wanted me to give up when I was born again. It was very difficult for me to let go of because I thought that I had control, um, and I'll never forget, I know, I don't remember what they preached about. I don't remember any of the details of that stuff. I think I filled out a card and all that. All I remember is going up to an altar and almost physically, but in the spirit, just giving up the control of my life to God, saying, it's, it's all yours. I, I thought that I had it, a bit of control, and I really never did anyway. I just gave it all up to him. And it was so amazing. Many of you that have been born again, you can remember being on cloud nine for weeks after that. I was just like... I'm free. I'm so happy. And then, like many of us, I got caught up in religion, and then I was like, oh, I'm not free anymore. Now I'm sad. <laughs> but then we're free again when we discover grace and truth in Jesus, and it's really fun. So I'm not going to talk about that. What I want to talk about is this control, this idea that we have control. What it took for me, um, ultimately, was being able to relax <clears throat> and let go of something that was familiar to me, something that I thought that was I had control of, and allowing something that was actually going to help me do you know, do what I wanted it to do, accomplish the thing I wanted to accomplish. It just looked, it felt, and it was a little bit different than what I thought. But I, ha I had to, and that's what I remember, when I let go of this rope, I'll either fall or I'll go. There's no in-between. Once that's gone, I can't get it back, <laughs> you know, it's there. And I think sometimes we've got to have that in our minds and come from our spirits that sometimes we've got to let go of some things to realize that God is in complete control. 
And I know a lot of, I know we keep talking about it, but a lot, there's a lot of, of fear, especially with social media and media in general, that can begin to try to poke at you. And you have to let that stuff go. You can't let, you can zone in and you can just focus in on that stuff and it can start eating away at you and get you in a very dark place. So what I, I love about the new covenant that we're in, the new covenant that we're in is we get to rest in what Jesus did for us. I, and, and I know it may seem real simplistic, but me reaching back and touching that wave just reminded me of just resting and just going, okay, if I fall, I'm just going to fall in the water anyway. It's not like a big deal. But I can rest, and I don't have to stress and try to think about the 20 different things I have to do to make this board stay going. <laughs> I can just rest in knowing that I'm, it's, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And so there's a, the, the reality that we find ourselves in is we, we, don't, we don't work up and build up this, this, uh, this ability to do all the things that we need to do. We rest in that Jesus has already done them, and then we, we're, we realize that we're a part of an unshakable kingdom. All right. Here's where I want to get here. 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 6. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not the letter, he's talking about the law, but, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Man, I've been hearing that over and over in my spirit about life, 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 life. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Um, verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, he's talking about the law here, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because it's glory, temporary though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? He's talking about grace here. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was temporary came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts? We talk about an unshakable kingdom. This is what we're talking about. This new covenant that Jesus bought and paid for for us lasts. It doesn't end when you physically die. It doesn't, it, it doesn't end ever. It's eternal. It in and of itself is amazing and supernatural. Verse 12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for, this, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. Whoa. It has not been removed because only Christ, only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Think about the image of the veil torn from top to bottom. Top to bottom. God tore the veil. The, the separation from us and God was torn from top to bottom. There is no veil. The surpassing glory that Moses had on his face, he, he didn't want people to see that it was going away. He covered it. We, we can be exposed. We can be uncovered because the glory never goes away. What a beautiful thing that we have in Jesus. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
When we take communion, we are, we are connecting with other people that have, been, that have been included in this new covenant. Other people that felt unworthy, that felt like they could never do it, that they could never make it, that they weren't, that, that, that they could never earn or deserve this. And they were all right, but they were given it anyway. So when we take on uh, this physical representation of the Lord's body and, and of his blood, we take on this Holy Spirit that lives in and through us today. It's an amazing thing. Now, another way we describe this about being an unshakable kingdom is two mountains. Now, we know that the, the old covenant came on rules on rocks, as Lynn Hiles likes to say, rules on rocks that came on the Ten Commandments, which was the law. And let me be clear here. The law is good and just. It just didn't give us power. It just didn't have the power to make us just and good and righteous. It is good. The law was good. But just as the Bible just told us very clearly, the end of the law, the letter, brings death. Because if, if you or, not, or I have to measure up to the law, we're not going to make it. There's no way that we can measure up to the law. So the, end, the beautiful thing about the law is it does its job. It brings us to our end to where we go, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. But that's a good place to be because then we need, what do we need? A Savior. We need Jesus. The law is good and it brings us to the end and go, and it brings us to a place where we go, we can't do, we're, the end of this is going to be death for me. There, I don't measure up. And when we get to that place and we realize that, okay, this lone figure that we're talking about, this Jesus, was the Messiah. He did do what he came to do. And, and in Hebrews, we're going to get to Hebrews 12, 18. It's going to talk about these two mountains. Hebrews 12, 18 says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, uh, that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such, such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. It's talking about when, when Moses came and brought the law. Man, there was, that was hard for them to deal with some of this stuff, and they were very afraid. Um, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now, he pro but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what, of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Listen, the reason Jesus talked constantly about uh, different situations and circumstances, he would shake those kingdoms on earth. When he talked about the rich young ruler, it, he wasn't saying that everyone needs to sell everything that they have and give to the poor. He was dealing with the specific issue that the rich young ruler had, and that was that he found his, his identity and he found his, his security in money. Money's not bad, but that particular person had an issue with it, and Jesus did want, just wanted him to see that there was an unshakable kingdom that he could grab onto, not a shakable one that could be lost. That, that would rust or moth could destroy. 
Jesus is real specific with everything he did. He didn't make patterns so that we could try to copy it in some weird religious way, although some of us still try to do that. He did it in specific ways to each individual person so that they could see that he cared deeply for them individually. When we say that we're part of a new covenant, we're part of a God that reached, that, that reached down and put flesh on and walked and talked among us and proved to us that we could be friends of God again, that we, could, that we, we wouldn't have to go into this holy of holies and all these different things and sacrifice. And, and man, if you look at the Passover, if you get time, look at the Passover of what, of what they had to do, how they had to sacrifice, how they had to cook. They couldn't boil it. They had to do this and they had to take all these things and sprinkle this and, and eat these certain spices that were bitter and do all these things and you better do them right. And that's what the law teaches. You better, you better do every single one of them or you're in trouble. And that would make me very afraid. <laughs> but Jesus... But Jesus said, okay, you can't do it. I get it. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to take this on you. It says, look, how much worse is it going to be for us if we don't take this free gift when, when he was on earth trying to tell them and some of them didn't get it? How much worse is it for us if we just denied the, most, the greatest thing that could ever happen to us in the universe? So what I want to do, this is something we don't do all the time, but this is something that I want to do today um, as we're, we're, we're kind of broadcasting out into the interwebs. Um, I want to give people an opportunity out there to, to be born again if you've not been. This is, uh, this is a huge trade-up. If you don't know <laughs> how awesome this is, uh, get with me, private message me, text me or whatever. Um, I'll tell you how awesome it is, and we can talk about it. But I want to tell you that it's not some special formula you have to have or some certain prayer that you need to pray. It is just accepting the free gift that God has given you in Jesus. It's that simple. It's saying, I receive what Jesus did for me. It's saying that I, I, I get it, I receive it. I, I believe that what Jesus did was for me and his blood paid for my sins. Not just every sin I can remember and I can, I can confess. What we confess is that we are sinners and all that is is saying we don't measure up to the law. I mean, we don't. Um, Jesus said when, when you've heard it said that you know, don't commit adultery, but I'm saying if you even look on another woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Our issue isn't our actions. Our issue is our heart. We've got a bad heart. And all he wants to do is take, take, take the heart, the, the, the evil heart that, that we have. He just wants to take that out and give you a brand new one. And he wants to write his law on it so that you don't have to try to remember all the details of what you have to do. He will give you a Holy Spirit that will help guide you. He will give you a Holy Spirit that will lead you. He'll give you a Holy Spirit that will care for you and, and wrap his arms around you so that you know that he loves you regardless. Listen, he will give you the word of God where you can read and it'll... It'll just confirm all these things that are in your spirit. These things work together for our good. It's a beautiful thing, this new covenant that you've been given. So I want to encourage you, um, as we kind of wrap up today, I'll say a prayer, and you can, you can say it with me if you want to, but I want to encourage you, just receive what the Lord has for you. The Holy Spirit's a big boy. He will meet you right where you are. I mean, he's awesome. He's, he's really good. So I want to pray with you. Father, if there's anyone um, that's watching now live stream, or maybe someone even later that is watching, Lord, that you, you have been already speaking to in your Holy Spirit. You've already made yourself known to them because that's how good you are. Lord, I pray that, that the words that you are speaking to them right now in their spirit, Lord, that they are just, that this is a confirmation to them, that this is just, an, just a, a great revelation to them that they go, okay, yes, you are good. You are a good God, and you've done all this for me, and I receive it, and I want to, I want to just be this new creation that you've, you've uh, made me to be.
in your likeness. No, no more condemnation that we can go to, uh, that, that anyone that, that is, is receiving your Holy Spirit right now, that is receiving your goodness, that, that they are receiving your sacrifice for their sins, that you don't just, you didn't just die for them, you didn't just forgive them their sins, although you did that, but because you resurrected and you ascended and you sent your Holy Spirit, you've given them new life. That's the other half that sometimes we forget. You have given new life. Our sins are forgiven, and you've replaced those sins with new life. And now we look to you and we look to those that are around us in ways that we can love and bless them. And we thank you for what you're doing in everyone and all these people that, that are praying right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, it's good news. We, we have been brought to, to Mount Zion. <laughs> we weren't even invited to Sinai. <laughs> if you're trying to live up to those expectations of the law, rules written, written on rocks, man, I'm sorry, don't do it. There's, there's no way that you can live up to those expectations. If you need to try to get to that place, I understand, but please get to it quicker than, quicker than, than slower. Get to the place where you realize that there's no way that you can do this on your own, that you can receive um, the greatest gift that's ever been given to man in Jesus, and then from that place, all the law and the prophets are hung on loving God and knowing that God loves you and loving your neighbor. Um, I love you. I hope that's been, this has been encouraging to you. Please continue to pray for us as a church. Pray for your friends and family. Um, please continue to reach out to those that are around you in whatever that looks like, whether it's digital or actually physical and six feet apart. Um, but look for opportunities in this. Uh, somebody mentioned something about uh, yesterday, and, it was, and I love it. Um, they said, man, you guys are really roughing it over there in quarantine because I'm posting pictures of crawfish and going out on the boat. And I'm just thinking, man, every... Every situation is an opportunity. Every situation we have is an opportunity. If this is, a, if this is not a great opportunity to, to unplug and plug back in and reset, I don't know what is. Um, I believe that on the tail end of whatever's going on in this, in this world right now and, and in, in our economy and everything else, I genuinely believe that we're, this is going to really awaken in us um, a, a, a better family atmosphere, a better church atmosphere. Um, when, we, when all this is... is is gone and done, and, and we get back into church, man, I, I, Joseph posted something this morning of everybody, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to be able to hold back, I'm going to be running around here dancing too, um, but this is, this is what's great about looking at your circumstances and seeing that this isn't ideal, None of, I, I want to see everyone in here right now, I do, I genuinely do, um, this is not ideal, but what are we going to do with the situation, are we going to try to grab onto an unshakable kingdom, which is just a building, no. We have, a, we have an unshakable kingdom, which is the reality of Jesus in our lives, and you guys are the church, and I'm the church, and the people in here are the church. Um, doors are wide open in the church. And, man, I'll tell you this real quick, and then we'll wrap up. Um, I've been trying to think of creative ways to reach out to the youth and to other people in church to try to help them to reach out to other people and to do the things that the church should be doing. And I want to tell you, as I've been trying to do that, and I'll continue to do it because it's just my heart as a pastor, you guys have been blowing me away by doing it on your own. I mean, seriously, when I, when I pull up social media, I see you guys. I mean, I, I genuinely see you. I'm trying not to cry. But I see you, even the youth I've seen. And I want to, I want one specific person I've seen, um, and I just want to highlight uh, Casey Wesson. I've seen her, and I'm not real savvy with technology, so I don't hang out on stories and Instagram a lot. But for some reason, I've seen her post a few times about what's your favorite worship song. Um, um, encouraging her friends on social media. Um, 
watch parties have popped up. You guys have taken our, our worship and thrown it and made a little watch party. Uh, I've seen you guys, even the adults, reach out to people. And I've seen you, hey, I'm going by, you know, I'm supporting local businesses and I'm trying to help them. And, uh, and man, I am so encouraged. As a pastor in the city, I am so encouraged by that. Uh, the same thing I told you guys last week, build up, not just me. Uh, it's a little self-serving. Yeah, pray for me too. But pray, up, pray for other pastors in the city. I've never felt more um, connected to other pastors in the city than I do now because of all this digital platform stuff and seeing them go through the same things we're going through. Um, I've never felt more compassion and, and, and love for our pastors in the city. Listen, pray for our pastors in the city. Don't, don't, uh, don't criticize them or critique them about how their videos look, about how, about how they're, they're distancing or that they don't have faith or they have faith or they're, don't, don't do that. Um, please don't do that. Pray for them and build them up. They need it now more than ever. I love you.